There are ministering spirits of the Lord all over this room right now. And in just a moment, when we shout his name, the angels of the Lord are going to anoint you with apostolic power. Youth leaders, get ready. Get ready. We're about to shout that name. Get ready. We're about to have apostolic authority and impartation. By the authority of the word of God and by the power of your holy name, God, I release apostolic anointing, apostolic authority in this room right now in the name of Jesus! What you are hearing right now is a dynamic and powerful anointed moment that happened at North American Youth Congress 2023 by Brother Chris Green. I'm so excited today that on the Noteworthy Podcast, we have Brother Chris Green with us. The Lord connected Brother Green and I a couple of years ago, and I'm so thankful that he did. Today, we're going to be talking on the Noteworthy Podcast about Brother Green, his family, his ministry, his church, and his message that he preached at North American Youth Congress entitled, Where Are the Apostolics? And ended up being titled, Here Come the Apostolics. Stick around to hear what that story was like from his perspective. It's going to be a noteworthy conversation, and I'm so glad you tuned in. Let's go. All right, well, I'm here with uh, my friend, Brother Chris Green. Man, thank you so much for being on the Noteworthy podcast today. And it's such an honor to be with you. I appreciate you inviting me to come on. Man, it's 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 a privilege. And um, I know we're just coming out of a crazy season. Everybody's just been to North American Youth Congress. And uh, I know that... Uh, I'm excited to hear from you today. The listeners are excited to hear from you today. I've wanted to get you on the podcast ever since we met. We met in, uh, I think it was Mid- Midwest Youth Convention, and we got to connect a couple years ago at that. And ever since then, I've just felt, uh, Rachel and I have just felt kind of spirit connected to your family and to what God is doing. So I'm excited about today. Uh, I'm excited to get to to get go through these questions with you, and to kick things off, would you mind just kind of telling us about who you are, your family, where you live, where you pastor, and what you do for the listeners that might not know you? Yes, sir. Um, well, the feelings mutual, and uh, thank you again for having me on. Um, well, we live um, in Texas, and I always say Austin. I'm born and raised in Austin, um, but we pastor a church now. We've just planted a church 
that officially launched in February, February the 12th. And although we had been working on it behind the scenes since June of 2022 in the suburb of the southwest side of Austin called Dripping Springs. And uh, we have two boys, Levi, who's six, Jackson, who's one and a half. And then um, there's a very good chance that by the time your listeners hear this, we might have another child. So as my wife is like eight months and three quarters pregnant so um so yeah exciting. i might even get interrupted on this call <laughs> Come says, on, let's somebody. go to the hospital so but in Revival. jesus name pray for us because we are about to be outnumbered and so i need all of the listeners of this podcast i need you to pray and fast diligently <laughs> for me. <laughs> yes oh lord yeah. cover him right now and his family Amen. bro listen Amen. i just want you to know you're not alone you're not alone bro because my Amen. wife and i are outnumbered and Somehow God sends just a, a special help <laughs> along the way. So, <laughs> Amen. That's that's so exciting. Now, do you guys uh, do you know if it's a boy or girl? Are you being surprised? I think I think you told me you're going to be surprised. I didn't know if you yeah. Were. We don't know. We, oh, we just decided so to cool. do it. Yeah, the old fashioned way. And uh, what's that like? Will, because I never I never did that. I never had the willpower to do that. What does that feel like to kind of just not know what's going to happen there? At first, it was difficult. I thought I wasn't going to have the willpower, you know, but like once we kind of just said we're going to do it, I've sort of just set my mind and I haven't really thought about it. Yes, I've thought about like, oh, I wonder what it's going to be or whatever, but I haven't thought about it from like, oh man, I really have to know. There's been moments my wife like really wanted to know and she has gone a couple of times by herself to like some ultrasounds and stuff, but so I've wondered if she's like, you know, cheated and been like, hey, tell me the gender, but I trust <laughs> right. her. I'm, I'm, I'm positive she doesn't know for sure, you know, so we'll find out here shortly, though. So it'll be fun. You know, it'll be fun. Man. Oh, that's so exciting, bro. Well, man, you've got a beautiful family and I, I love watching watching you guys grow and, and excited to see you yes, uh, outnumbered. It's going to be amazing. Um now, one thing I, I love to get to talk about with ministers like yourself on the show um, is about your call um, to preach. A lot of people that listen to this podcast uh, aspire to serve in ministry or have a call to preach on their life. Um, and I just wanted to ask you, what did that look like for you when you were first called to preach? How did you know um, and was it a one-time experience or a big series of events that God did that let you know you were called into the ministry? That's always a good question. And it was definitely more of a series of events, you know, like um, if if yeah. you were to put everything together, you know, and I, I even now looking back hindsight, you know, see where God was calling me when I was eight years old. And now I didn't hear see an angel at eight years old that said, go preach, but I knew God was drawing me as opposed to maybe not calling me, but drawing me when I was yeah. around eight years old, sitting in Sunday school and feeling this isolation moment, like sitting in, I remember sitting in Sunday school and just feeling like kind of looking around, like did someone just turn the AC on or something, a fan on, you know, I felt like something yeah. was drawing me. I didn't have a clue. And it was just a little moment. And then, wow. and it wasn't big at the time. But then like a few years later, I'm around 12 years old and boom, it happens again where you just, you feel like God's drawing me. And really, you know, brother Nathan, I don't, 
I don't want to even know if for sure that was God calling me to the ministry as it was God calling me to relationship with him, saying, trying to draw me out into yeah. a deeper relationship with him. But wow. a lot of people, I've told my testimony, I share it as much as I can, you know, that I went to college and played baseball and that was my personal calling. I called myself to to play baseball and yeah. And um, by my sophomore year, I was the starting. I, well, I started my freshman year, but by the sophomore year, I was the captain of the team, and and um, I was backslidden. I stayed on the straight and narrow my freshman year. Didn't go out and party. Didn't hang, you know do all that stuff. But by the sophomore year, the peer pressure got to me, and I crumbled. And and so I had a season, so to speak, of of where I wasn't walking with God, and and. Uh, but um, I ended up kind of turning that around. And I remember having one of those isolation moments that I had when I was eight years old. I had at a party as I was had a beer in my hand drinking and I'm standing there and then the, the party had just started, you know, and I've got my first drink in my hand. And, and all of a sudden I felt that like someone turned a fan on. And we're outside, there's a hundred people around. And I literally felt like I was all by myself. And so I put the beer down and I I recognized at that moment, this is God. And then I was convicted. Why would God move on me when I'm not moving with him right now? And, Mm. and so I put the drink down. I walked home, got on my face and I said, God, you're trying to call me and I want to hear your call. And so I'm going to pray and fast until I hear that call. And so if I was to pinpoint one moment, yes, it was a series of events, but there's several like moments, I guess. This would be one of the highlighted moments of when I made that that covenant with God, I'm going to pray and fast until I know what you want me to do. Yeah. Well, we had practice every morning at 10 a, uh, excuse me, at 6 a.m. They let out at 8 a.m. Then we'd go to class. Then I was back on the field, you know, by one o'clock and practice till six or seven. Then we got dinner, then went back to the weight room. And, and here I am, I'm fasting through all of this and praying and for two weeks. And I, I go to church, which at the time we were attending brother David Bernard's church. And I had been playing the drums, but I took myself off the drum set, you know, to get myself right. And, and to get, you know, just get on the right track and to hear from God. And I was in the prayer room that night, Sunday night, and I said the words, I said, God, I've been praying and fasting for two weeks. And tonight's the night I'm going to hear your voice. And wow. sure enough, while the preacher, there's an evangelist there that night while he's preaching, I'm sitting there listening. And, and I always say it felt like a sack of bricks, like just this heaviness, just boom, oh, fell on me. And I, I, I didn't hear an audible voice. But within me, I felt this reverberation of God's voice say, I called you to preach. And that was it. No details, no go to Bible school, you know, go whatever. It was just, I called you to preach. So I, um, when the preacher finished, I got up, went to the altar and I lifted my hands and I said, God, if that was you say it again. And just within a few moments later, I hear the voice of the piano player in my ear. Jared Wood and I did the Pentecostal peak. You know, I peeked to see who is speaking in my ear. And it was him. He had gotten off the piano. He comes down and he says, Chris, tonight God has called you to preach. And when he said that, I'm praying, I'm thanking God. But I said, God, I, I know this is a lot to ask, but would you confirm it one more time? Because I've, I've been living like a fool and I just I need triple confirmation by the mouth of two or three witnesses. I'm asking for three. So 
Sure enough, a an elder in the church who is a former, a retired missionary to Fiji, he walks over to me and he says, Chris, tonight God has called you to preach. So, you know, I literally, I went to Brother Bernard, who was my pastor. I said, I'm dropping out of school. You know, I'm just going to go sit by the phone because everybody's about to call me to come preach for them. And he was like, no, 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 that's not how it works. You know, um, it could, right? But he said, you're in a season of preparation. This is where I had to take that that voice of prophecy, that voice of the, the purpose of God, and take it to my pastor to lay out the plan of God. And he said, Chris, you're in a season of preparation for your season of ministry. You can't neglect this season of, of preparation. Well, little did I know that this season, and I'm still preparing even now, years later, but but that season, that window of time, I didn't know it was going to be another six years. Um, and so I finished college, got my bachelor degree in marketing and communication. And then from there, I went to Urshan Graduate School of Theology and pursued a master's degree of divinity, which was a four-year degree at the time. And, and you know, in the, in the moment, it felt like this Mount Everest of preparation. Like, I'm never going to finish climbing this mountain. My God, I've got to yeah. like finish school and then go to more school. And I did five internships. Some of them that lasted, one of them that lasted two years. Some of them were just for the summer. And, um, you know, in the moment you feel like everybody's passing you up because you're just preparing and everybody's preaching and everybody's performing and everybody's ministering and you're just preparing. And I had to realize that nobody's passing you up when you're in the will of God. And, uh, you know, I was on my own journey. And so, so um, and from there, you know, um, God began to open doors eventually when it was time for me to start walking in that season of ministry. Man, that is so incredible. Now, you you mentioned uh, Jared Wood. I, I think if we're talking about the same person, um, I think Jared Wood played bass on our first album. I don't know if you realize that. but Oh, really? Um, That's it's crazy. Such a small, it's such a small world, man, when we start in this yeah. beautiful apostolic community just it's so neat That's to right. see how god ties everybody together um I love it. and I, I love how you hit on um when you were talking about like when when god turned the air conditioning on and then you felt that 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 pool that drawing when you were just as young as eight years old how you didn't know if that was necessarily a call to preach or more of just a relationship with him and I love that you hit on that because this podcast tries to really keep a strong focus on daily walk with God. If people ask me, like, what's kind of the central theme of why you do a podcast, we really try to to hit on that. And so I was wondering if you would be willing to share some of your daily spiritual disciplines, like what does your day-to-day devotion look like for you personally? Just because I found when we talk about it and we we were a little more practical with it, it tends to really help our listeners to hear from men of God like yourself and what that looks like for you personally. For sure. Yeah, I would love that. Um, this is something that is key for me because it's it's been a journey for me trying to learn um, my daily spiritual disciplines and, and carving that out. And um, yeah. And I've had to realize that, uh, you know, my relationship is not, my relationship with God is not in the pulpit. It is not on that platform of ministry. You know, it is in the secret place of a daily devotion with God. Yeah, and sure. I, I'm i a very um, 
emotional kind of feeling kind of guy, you know, and I'm very high strung and I, I've, I'm striving to be more balanced and it's like, I'm either way up or way down. And that's very dangerous, you know, because when I'm, when I'm up, it's great, but when I'm down, it's not great. And I like, you know, these running, these running moments, these big moments in, in, in ministry or in my walk with God, you know, like the, a revival, a conference or whatever. I love those moments, man, where it feels big or God's doing something big, but that's not really where the growth happens. The growth happens in the incremental steps of faith. Um, Paul said in Galatians five and seven, he said, you did run well, you ran well, but who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? So he's like commending them. Good job running. But then you went back to who you used to be. So then you look down like nine verses later, I think at verse 16, he says, so this is what I'm going to tell you to do. Walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And oftentimes we're like, but man, I want to run in the spirit, you know, and especially in Pentecost. And we're like, but you're not, you're not conquering if you're not running and you're not growing if you're not jumping and running and shouting, man, trust me, I'll run and shout with the best of them. But the growth happens when you walk in the spirit. And there's so many things today. There's so many little, little deceptions and so many little distractions that are trying to steal, not, not necessarily our salvation, but our devotion with God. Um, in second Corinthians 11 in the, in the new living translation, it said, Paul, listen to what, what Paul says. This is amazing. He says, I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. And so here he is saying, I'm afraid of something. He doesn't say, I'm afraid that you're going to lose your salvation. I'm afraid that you're not going to be able to preach anymore. He says, I'm afraid that your pure and undivided devotion with Jesus is going to be corrupted. Then he tells us how it will be corrupted. He said, just like Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. It's not going to be some big bombs that go off. He says like a serpent, that slithering serpent, not like a lion that roars, not like some big animal that's going to stomp its way into your life. No, like a little slithering, cunning serpent, just these small little whispers of distraction. I'm afraid it's going to steal your devotion. Um, in the, in the Bible days, you know, they worshiped idols, you know, I D O L. And today our idol has become being idol, I D L E. Um, and in second, uh, Thessalonians, I'm just spitballing some things that I use. No, this is so good. um, That are like anthems for me. But in, in second Thessalonians, um, chapter three, he says, Um, he's, he's telling them about work and he tells them like, if you don't work, you don't eat. And, uh, and then he says, yet we hear that some of you are living idle lives, refusing to work and meddling in others, other people's business. He said, you're living an idle life, refusing to work. And instead you're meddling in other people's business, which is such a, like, a relevant statement for 2023 meddling in other people's business. That's, that's, um, that's Greek for social media. And (laughs) 
He <laughs> says, you're living an idle life. You're not doing anything. Yeah. It may feel like you're doing something because you're watching everybody else do something through your screen. He says, you refuse to work, refuse to pray. You refuse to fast. And instead, you're just meddling in other people's business. But I've had to learn. I've had to learn to have that daily walk with Christ. There's one more. I could give so many scriptures, but... Uh, one more scripture that really has 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 spoken to me. I think in so the last like thirteen or fourteen months, I feel like it was like May of twenty twenty two, when God showed me this scripture in First Peter four and seven. He's telling it, which Peter all of his letters are about the end times, and so here in First Peter four seven he says the end, the end of all things is here. So this is what you need to do. Be sober and watch unto prayer. Well, I studied that scripture in the King James and I noticed it's not an inaccurate translation. It's just not a complete translation. So I looked it up in the original and the original is is more says something like this, that the end, the end of all things is here. It's at hand. So therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded so that you can pray. And so that, that phrase self-controlled, that's like a curse word to our flesh. Yeah. Sober-minded. Right. And in one translation, it says, be self-controlled and sober-minded um, so that you can have powerful prayers. Um, but even, even in the, the original, how it says, I want you to be self-controlled and sober-minded. Watch this, so that you can pray. Well, why do we struggle to pray? Because we're not self-controlled and we're not sober-minded. We are intoxicated by entertainment and distraction and and uh, we're we're intoxicated by the knowledge of this world. And Luke 21, Luke 21 is such a it, there's a famous deal there where uh, famous passage of scripture where Jesus is teaching about the end times and he says he says, in those last days when there's wars and rumors of wars and nation against nation, pestilence and famines, he says, um, men's hearts will fail them for fear. You're going to be so full of fear that your heart is going to fail you. He says, why? He says, because you will be looking at the things happening on the earth. In other words, instead of you looking at me and watching me in prayer, you're going to be watching the things happening on the earth. And, and as a result, you're going to fail. Your heart is going to fail you. So look at what he says in the next verse. Here's the antidote to that. He says, mm -hmm. lift up your heads and look up for your okay. redemption is drawing nigh. John, and so what yeah. prayer for me is, is taking my eyes off of this world, taking, closing my physical eyes of, of doubt and carnality. I pray every morning. I begin to pray. And I'll, when I get into a state of repentance, I begin to pray, God, yes, created me a clean heart. But God, I pray in the name of Jesus that, that you will transform me by the renewing of my mind, that everything that I allow into my eyes and everything that goes into my ears will not be the things of this world, but will be the voice of God. It will be the things of holiness and purity and righteousness and anointing and calling and direction, wisdom and knowledge and love and peace. God, let these things of your word and of your spirit manifest itself into my my spirit, Lord. And yes. I don't want, I don't want to um, miss the voice of God. I don't want to miss the direction of God, but how in God's name can I hear his voice and how can I know his direction? If, if like what Google told me one time, 
is that the average time spent on our phone right now is eight hours and 22 minutes, oh, eight man. hours and 22 minutes, an average in our nation of spending time on our phone. And yet I can't, as Jesus asked his disciples, can you not watch with me? Can you not pray with me for one hour? You can't even one pray hour. one yeah. hour. And today an hour of prayer is like, that's for the radical elite Pentecostals. Yeah. You pray an hour a day, that's the radical elite Pentecostals. And we think it's radical to pray an hour, yet Jesus, here's what Jesus said about being radical. If your hand separates you from me, cut it off. If your foot separates you from me, cut it off. If your eye separates you from me, plug yeah. it out. Plug My it God, out. Yeah. if we were if if we were more literal with the scripture and more honest with ourselves, we'd have a lot more people walking around with a limp, with no foot, with one hand, and with an eye patch looking like a pirate because because we know our eyes, our hands, our feet, our heart has separated us from him. And it's time that that spiritually, I don't want anybody listening to this to go cut your hand off, okay? But spiritually <laughs> speaking, it's time yeah. to cut off the distractions. And we think yeah. it's radical to turn down the volume of this world when he said, no, if anything, even on your own body causes you separation from my devotion, from relationship with me, get rid of it. Don't don't just don't just fast it. I, I love it when and I used to do this. Say, okay, I'm gonna fast this. You know, and it wasn't food, it was it was something that I shouldn't be doing to begin with. And I realized right. you can't you can't deny sin and call it a fast. You can't fast sin. My God, that's called repentance, not fasting. You know, I say, well, I'm going to fast social media, something I shouldn't really be doing to begin with when it's taking time away from my devotion with God and then call it a fast. That's not a fast. That's repentance. That's getting your life back where it, where it should be. And so um, for my daily my daily walk, I guess I didn't give you any practical advice there. But really what no, you need so is good. you need a little bit of a, a motivation to get yourself up. And man, yesterday, was it yesterday? Two days ago. What is today? Anyways, doesn't matter. Today's Thursday, I think. Today's and, Thursday. And uh, two yeah. days ago, yeah, Tuesday. Oh my goodness, I had my alarm set, you know, for my morning prayer and devotion. And right now, our church is doing some sacrificial prayer where we're praying three times a day, and it's great. You know, we're praying morning, afternoon, and night. But I set my alarm, and I was so exhausted. I had preached Friday night in Arkansas, flew home Saturday, preached Sunday morning at my church, then got in my car, drove three and a half hours to Dallas, preached. Sunday night, and then drove back home, got back at 1 a.m., and then had my 6 a.m. prayer Monday, and then 6 a.m. prayer Tuesday. And let me tell y'all something. I didn't oh, feel goodness. like getting up and praying and saying, oh, hallelujah, I can't wait to get up at 6 a.m. and go uh, enter his gates with thanksgiving. No, I entered his gates with complaining on Tuesday <laughs> because my body was feeling the effects of yeah. going too much. And I came into the house of the Lord and I sat there and I just, I, the Bible says, make a joyful noise. And I had to yeah, force yeah. myself to make a joyful noise. And I have a two hour devotion time in the morning. And, and it took me probably 45 minutes to really start feeling, you know, breaking through into the spirit because the spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. But I had to force myself. I want every young person to hear me right now. Your devotion yeah. is not a feeling. Your devotion, you've got to force a devotion. You've got yeah. to make a devotion happen. You have to crucify the flesh and get up and say, I don't feel like praying. I feel like going and 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 uh, I feel like going and hanging out with friends. I feel like getting on social media. I feel like uh, binge, you know, feeding my flesh 
um, with distraction, but I've got to submit this body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God for simply this is my reasonable service. So you got to force it. I'll just stop right there. (laughs) Bro, that is, that is so, so good. We needed that. I needed that today. And, uh, you're absolutely right, bro. You're talking about where people actually are living at <laughs> the day to day of what it means to actually live a life of of devotion. So thank you for sharing that with us. Now, I wanted to ask a question. Just this is just for this one's just for me. I'm just curious because I've never got to talk to you about this. Um, many people know you as an evangelist, but you're a pastor now. And so I wanted to ask you, what season of life were you in when God called you to be a pastor? And has that been an adjustment for you going from an evangelist to a pastor? Does it feel different? What is What does this season look like for you right now? Yeah, well, that's a great question. And I, I wish somebody would answer it for me, really, because <laughs> I, I, I really can't. Like, I, I just can't be confident and say, I know for sure that God's, God called me to be a pastor, a pastor per se. Now I am doing the work of a pastor, but really what happened is, is, um, I'd been evangelizing for 10 years and, and then 2020 struck and, um, everything was shut down and, um, you know, I, I prayed the prayer. I, I said, God, what do I do? Like my, you know, as an evangelist, my ministry was on my calendar that I, okay, I travel here, travel there, travel here, travel there, but everything was shut down. I wasn't traveling anywhere and I'm getting calls from pastors saying, you know, cancellation after a cancellation. And so I was just sitting and uniquely on March the 8th of 2020, which was the week before the shutdown, a lady prophesied to me who I'd never met before. And seemed a little kooky and because sometimes prophecies can, can be that way, you know, and it's like, and the reason why I felt a little off is because she prophesied and said, you're done traveling right now, today, you're done traveling. You're going to sit still until you hear the voice of God. And I was like, okay, you know, thank you. And, uh, walked out like, well, she's off, you know, because I, my (laughs) schedule was booked out, you know, the rest of the year. And I'm like, I'm done traveling. What is she talking about? You know? Seven days later, boom, traveling was over. And so um, I was in Oregon where my wife is from and I was in Portland and I would go up this mountain. I, I, I made a dedication to go up this mountain now just <laughs> to so that it doesn't sound so amazing. I, I didn't ride a donkey. I didn't walk up the mountain. I drove. I drove up this mountain every morning. But I'd go an hour before sunrise at about 4 a.m., for 40 straight days. And I was sitting there and, um, it was unique because on day six, I'm like, God, am I, am I really doing what you want me to do? And when I prayed that prayer, a pastor on the East coast who had no idea where I was at or what I was doing, he texted me and he said, Chris, God has set you on a mountain and he has told you to stop traveling so that you can sit still and hear the voice of God. And so I was like, okay, there's my confirmation, you know, so I did that for 40 days. And at the end of those 40 days, here's what the Lord spoke to me. What, what began those 40 days was this, God said, 
I reward those who diligently seek me, Hebrews 11 and 6. I reward those who diligently seek me. So I did a little word study on diligent. Well, what is that? Well, you don't want to study that word if you don't like getting up early because that word actually is, is speaking to getting up, rising up before the sun and seeking God with your whole heart. And I found, I think it's in Hosea wow. 5 and 15. I think it is. Y'all can correct me later, but it says that, it says, in your affliction, you will seek me early. And so it's an amazing thing how affliction will cause us to rise up early and be desperate. And so I use that affliction of the shutdown and the confusion, the uncertainty, the civil unrest, you know, that was going on. And, and so I use that to motivate me to get up early. And, and God spoke this word and said, if you will seek me diligently for 40 days, I will show you my secrets that I have for you. So I did that for 40 days, like like an hour and a half story into five seconds is I did that for 40 days. And at the end of it, um, it was like a month later, you know, I was mad because God hadn't shown me no secrets yet. And I said, okay, I'm just going to keep praying early until I, I, God shows me. Well, one morning I get up and I go, I didn't go up the mountain. I went to the church that I was staying at. I went to the altar and I said, God, I'm not even going to repent right now. <laughs> I was so just desperate. I said, I'm not going to go through the, my prayer plan. I'm not going to go through the tabernacle plan. I'm not going to do any of that. I'm asking you right now, what do you want me to do? And when I said that, boom, I went into a vision that I've never had in my life like this. It lasted for an entire hour. And it was of me and not just me, but people with me, like apostolic people with me, leaving the building of the church and going into the field where the harvest is waiting for us, where the revival is waiting for us, where miracles are waiting for us. And so I go, we, we, in this vision, I'm, I'm not in the building preaching anymore on a platform. I'm preaching on streets and in parks and, and different areas. And so that's when God spoke to me and said, you've, for 10 years, you have, your ministry has gone from platform to platform, and you've been waiting for the harvest to come to you. Now I'm taking your feet from the platform to the field, and now you're going to find the harvest. And so I didn't hear God say, you're going to be a pastor. I just heard God say, go find souls, go win souls, go reach souls, go disciple yeah. souls, you know, go reach. And, and so I, I knew from that point, I could not evangelize the way I had been doing for 10 years where I was just, you know, um, going from church to church. I, I had to get into the field. And so I continued to evangelize traveling once the shutdown was over, I guess. And But I would tell the pastors, hey, I'll preach for you on Sunday, but man, on Saturday or on Monday, I got to get into your field. I got to get into your city. Where can we go? Let's go find a skate park. Let's go find, let's go find somewhere where we can reach people, you know? And so God literally began to transform the way that I ministered. And that led me here, really. I mean, in a nutshell, that led me here to um, to Austin, and and so that's what simply I'm just trying to do. I I never, I still don't feel like okay, now I'm a pastor, per se. It's just like okay, now I'm here in this location, and I'm going into the field of this city and trying to reach souls. Wow, that's so that's so incredible, man. What a what a journey, what a journey into that city and into what God is doing there. I'm, I really believe that God is going to just break that city wide open, man. I really am standing with you and, and believing that and excited to see everything that God yeah. is doing. I, um, 
I wanted to, I want to, I'm going to skip ahead here because I really wanted to have time, uh, to talk to you about this. And, um, you just recently preached a dual titled message at NAYC, which was so incredible. I I'll, I'll send you a video, uh, later today, but man, I tell you, my wife and I, you know, we we're youth pastors here at our church in Jonesboro, Georgia. And, um, we took a group of about 30 people and every single one of our students, man, were just speaking in tongues, getting breakthrough. There, there wasn't a single person in our group that didn't break through on that Friday night. The presence of God was, was so strong. And I know they're going to be pumped to listen to this podcast because they just got to, to hear you preach. And I wanted to ask you. Um, just what that night looked like for you, um, you know, where are the apostolics and then here come the apostolics that I, I was thinking about it when I was prepping for the interview, like when did the question mark become uh, an exclamation point for you that night, um, in the middle of that service, what did that look like for you preaching in front of those people and the anointing of God that was on you? What was that experience like from your perspective? Well, when they asked me to do it, which, you know, they ask you like a year and a half in advance and um, they asked me to do it and I knew 100% I was going to speak on something about this, that vision that I had just given you about getting out of the church and going into the field. I knew that would kind of be like where I was going to go on, on that night, but I didn't know what, how I would deliver it, what scriptures I would use. And from that moment, it was like a pounding in my chest for a year and a half. Um, I would feel the question, where are the apostolics? I hope this doesn't offend anybody, but I didn't spend it. uh, uh, Did I say an hour and a half? I hope I said a year and a half. No, you said a year and a half. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, (laughs) for a year and a half, I didn't spend a year and a half praying for Youth Congress because I've got so many other things going, you know, uh, with my family and the church. so, but I really, I really set my sights on Youth Congress come July first of this year, and I'm like, okay, it's July. The conference is in three weeks, so I'm gonna really start praying. And I fasted. I went away, and and uh, I just felt that pounding in my chest. Where are the apostolics? And I'm thinking, well, okay, I guess you know. I was thinking, is that gonna be my title? I don't know. And um, they were. You know, the team, the media team is asking for my title, my notes, my stuff. And I was like, well, I don't, I don't have anything yet, you know, and I I get to St. Louis. And what was great is I didn't, because I wasn't like focused on youth Congress until July. Like I didn't feel any attacks. I didn't feel any opposition until my plane sat down in St. Louis. I get into the airport and no joke. When I get into the airport, it was like all these demonic spirits started attacking me. I'm just in the airport. And I was like. It, it, I've never felt anything like that. I've had spiritual attack, but to the point where like they were waiting for me to get off the plane. And, um, and I, you know, in the moment you don't just immediately know, Oh, it's a spiritual attack. Oh yeah. You, you're, you're questioning yourself. And I go to bed that night. It was Monday night. We got there a couple of days early and we got there Monday night and I had the most wicked, evil, twisted, demonic dreams I've ever had in my life. And the whole night I had spirits screaming in my mind saying, we're going to expose you. We're going to expose you. 
you're never going to preach again, you know, and whatever. And I was like, what in the world? I wake up, but I, I had these, these demonic dreams. And when I woke up, my physical body was like in pain and I, my neck and my shoulders and my head. And it was crazy. It was crazy. And all day Tuesday, I like was stiff in my body, sick in my body. And I'm thinking, what is going on? You know, and then these spirits began to speak. You're dying. You're not even going to live until Friday night. You're going to die. And I'm like, what is going on? And uh, thankfully, I had a man of God called me and he he felt to pray over me. And when he did, it all released. Boom, it was gone. And so by Tuesday night, I went to bed, had a peaceful night of sleep. I woke up Wednesday and it was all gone. Everything was clear. And um, and so I began you know, uh, praying about this. I still didn't have my sermon, you know, but Friday morning I wake up and I'm, man, when I woke up Friday morning, instead of demonic spirits waiting for me, it was the Holy Ghost waiting for me. And God began to deal with me. And I just got up before my family and I began to type and God began to show me what to say. And so I decided, okay, that's going to be my title. Where are the apostolics? And as I'm praying, God, now I don't hear, uh, you know, audible voices or nothing. It's just impressions that I've learned is the voice of God. And I mm-hmm. felt this impression in God say, but at, at some point I'm going to switch this and you're not going to preach where are the apostolics anymore. And so I'm like, what? You know, tell me, I need to know. Like, what? <laughs> I, you know, there's no details. And God just said, at some point I'm going to change. I'm going to change your message. And I'm thinking, great, you know. <laughs> So throughout the day, I'm, you know, I'm praying and, and, and I'm going to the day service and all that. And, and it all kind of made sense, you know, because God then kind of gave me the detail and said, okay, when we find the apostolics in this service tonight, you're going to release them and you're not going to preach where are they, but you're going to preach here they come. Here come the apostolics. And, but I didn't know, like, I just, I'm not a notes guy. That's because I'm, I'm I, like, I wish I could be a notes guy. I want to be a notes guy. That's not bragging. That's like, I, I wish I had my stuff lined out, but I get up there and I just had some scriptures, you know, and I'm thinking, well, when do I do this? You know, at what point do I change the title? At what point do I change this? And I really felt an assurance in my spirit during the worship service. God say, you're not going to you're not going to question it because you're going to know when to switch it's going to be so evident in the room that you're you're going to know when to switch it and i had asked um 12 different youth presidents to come on the platform with me and they asked me the same question well when do we come um and i was going back and forth with like well maybe when i say this or maybe when i say that and i finally just told them in during the service i texted them in a thread i said you're going to know when to come up on the platform and they said, okay. And, uh, and so while I'm preaching, all of a sudden there was a shift in the atmosphere. And that's when I felt a host of angels just come into that arena. Um, yes. And I feel like it's when there was just something that was revived in the spirit of our, our apostolic men and women, our young people. And there was something that had been awakened. And I don't, I'm not taking any credit for my sermon because it was God and it was all of the the conference put together into that one moment, that final moment of that whole conference, but it finally shifted. And I had so many people texting me and prophesying and several of them said, Chris, there's going to be a moment where the glass roof breaks and it's going to shift in the atmosphere. And that's exactly what I felt. I just felt this shift. 
And, yeah. and what's funny is I thought in my head, I thought now would be a good time for those youth presidents to come up. And I turned to my right and I'm not joking. They were jumping over chairs and jumping over pews and running up to the platform. I didn't even have to say it. They were already <laughs> running up to the platform because they felt the shift too. And oh um, so they came up to the platform and then I'm thinking, okay, how do I do this? So I grabbed, you know, grabbed DJ Hill, wrote down the the next title of the sermon and i said dj go go give this to the media team and i'm thinking okay how long is this going to take you know like i'm hoping (laughs) this is going to be like you know hopefully it's not too fast so i can prepare like i can lay the groundwork but hopefully it's not like 10 minutes you know and i'm looking over there and they're kind of like i can see them just diligently sweating and working and and uh, so I was like, well, let me just share a story, you know, to give them some time. And then I look back over there like, are you good? And they're like, yeah, we got it. And and um, anyways, and so I, uh, you know, for those of you that are there, you know, I said, okay, here's my new sermon. Here come the apostolics. And, oh. and again, it wasn't me. It was not me at all. But it was what God had been wanting to do for three and a half years to revive the drought that we have experienced since the beginning of 2020 and we have been silent and we have been immobilized by the spirit of Jezebel that has tried to control us with fear and we have allowed that fear I have allowed that fear to silence me and to immobilize me and so we have our power has been compromised And so God said, I'm going to revive that drought. The drought is over and we're going forward. And from this day forward, I saw Mm -hmm. that angel of the Lord draw that line in the sand with a sword and say, you have to choose right now what side of the line you're going to be on. Are you going to be on this side where there's real apostolic moves of God? Are you going to be on the real or are you going to be on the fake because those that are on the fake are going to get left behind and you're not going to be able to catch up because those that are on the real, those that are on this side of apostolic demonstration, apostolic yes. doctrine, apostolic yes. preaching and moving in the spirit, we're going forward and we're never looking back again. And we're not going to let that spirit of Jezebel compromise us, not even one more second. We're not going to let the spirit of fear invade our minds and our churches not even one more yes. second because we yes. are going forward with apostolic yeah. authority. And, yeah. um, and that's, that's truly just what I felt. And, and I know without a shadow of a doubt, again, not had nothing to do with me as a person, but it had everything to do with the people and the hunger of the people and the timing of God, the anointing of God, the, the passion of God, that we are going forward as an apostolic movement never to be reckoned with again by that spirit of fear. We are going forward to take this world before Jesus comes back. In Jesus' name. Yeah, in Jesus' name. Wow. Man, I feel chills just talking about it and and thinking about um, everything that God did that night. Um, Man, I'd just be be honored if you would um, pray over us as the listeners today try to close out this podcast with prayer. I feel the Holy Ghost in in the room I'm sitting at right now. And uh, would you pray over our audience before we, we close out this interview today? Amen. Lord Jesus, I pray. Jesus. Just as you prayed for Simon Peter when you told him 
that Satan has desired to have you and to sift you as wheat. And you said to him, but I have prayed for you that your faith would not fail. You didn't pray that Satan would attack. You prayed that the attack would not cause us to stumble and to fail in our faith. So right now, by the authority of the Word of God and by the power that is in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray for every apostolic man and woman that is listening to this podcast that as Satan does attack, our faith will not fail. Our prayer life will not fail. Our focus will not fail. We will not be deceived. We will not be distracted. We will not be controlled by fear, but we will march forward as of an army of God and these signs will follow them that believe in the name of Jesus I prophesy that they will cast out devils I prophesy that they will speak in new tongues and when serpents come against them or if they drink any deadly thing it will not harm them I prophesy in the name of Jesus that they will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover they will lay hands on the lost and they will be filled with the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues they will baptize people in the only saving name of Jesus Christ they will sing they will pray they will preach they will prophesy and as they speak the anointed sword of God will come forth from their mouth and destroy every yoke of bondage in their region, in their territory, in their city, in their church, in their home, in their school, on their job, in their family. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, now I worship you, God, because you are great and you are greatly to be praised. I worship you, God, because no weapon formed against us will prosper. I worship you, God, because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We receive it with praise, with glory and honor to your name. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen, amen. Thank you so much, my brother. Thank you so much. Man, man, Brother Green, I love you, man. I'm so incredibly... Uh, thankful to call you friend and I'm so glad that God has connected us and uh, from the bottom of my heart thank you for being on the noteworthy podcast today I know you've blessed our listeners because you've blessed me I feel man I feel charged up ready to go into this day Um, we we got to record this in the morning and I'm so excited about what God is doing I love you man and I'm so grateful for you love you so much God bless you 